Um, who wants to deliver a plot synopsis for Psycho Goreman? Well, since you apparently just had a heart attack and collapsed, well, um, um, I'll I'll go. Do you still hold your mic in your hand? No, it's on a table. I just moved an inch. everybody this is the kaiju transmissions podcast i am your host kyle bird and i'm matt parmley yes uh who matt i understand you are drinking tea to soothe your innards (laughs) i've had a rough day but yes i am uh peppermint tea all right well hopefully that makes you feel better i know when uh when when i have stomach problems and stuff tea always helps um, interesting that it's peppermint. I don't do peppermint tea. I usually just do tea and sugar because I'm boring. Anyway, enough about that. What a shock. <laughs> <laughs> enough about that. Um, this is another one of our uh, Halloween episodes for the month of October. Longtime listeners may know every time we do um, our, uh, our, our Halloween episodes taking up Full-time residence here at the KT studio is our buddy Tom from the Final Forum Dragon Ball podcast. Um, you heard him just a moment ago. Um, welcome back, sir. Good to be back, as always. And, of course, our other good friend, um, you may know him from his own podcast, Failure to Franchise, and... Days of Future podcast, the X-Men uh, podcast, our good buddy Trevor Snyder. Hey, good to be what? back, and I would have been I would have been really uh, offended and sad if you didn't have me at least on this episode, because I feel like my memory serves. I think you knowing even about these people has something to do with me, so. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Um, so we're talking about Psycho Goreman. Um, this is a recent... American movie, um, and the reason we're talking about it here, and just, I mean, it's just a cool movie. It's um, a Canadian movie, by the way, not American. Oh, my oh my, pardon me. Um, as we talk about this movie, I'm sure we'll mention different um, uh, things that inspired it, but a big part of it is Japanese monsters, more specifically in the superhero realm of, uh, you know, Ultraman, but very specifically the Toei stuff um, is what the director has talked about a lot in um, having a heavy hand in um, inspiring this movie, um, inspiring it 
you know, creatively and it, very much aesthetically. Um, uh, but uh, he's really into uh, the Super Sentai uh, stuff. Um, I don't know about Power Rangers, but I know on social media he's shared like the Japanese Sentai stuff. Um, uh, and he's talked a lot about Kamen Rider and um, one movie very specifically that he, he talked about drawing a lot from is uh, Mechanical Violator Hakaider, um, which uh, I think, I don't know about Trev, but I, I think everyone else here has seen it, and that movie is pretty bomb, diggity. Awesome. Yes. Um, and, and, you know, uh, I, I don't think I really, I think I just, when I watched this, I, I was coming to it as like, oh, it's the Astron 6 guy and i'll let trev kind of talk about that in just a moment and i and and i paused and i was like oh it's his new movie of course you know i'll check it out and i paused it in the middle and i was like this guy has to love japanese superhero stuff (laughs) and and sure enough i just like did a little googling and he's like yeah like aesthetically this is you know i i wanted to make something like common rider and hakaider and i was like well there it is like it's pretty apparent in the best ways possible. Um, and, and I think that as we talk, we'll talk about why this movie, you know, supersedes just being inspired by, and it, you know, it's not purely a homage piece. It's, it's its own thing. Um, so I mentioned Astron six. Um, this movie is directed and written by a fella named Steven Kostansky. Um, who uh, prior to this did uh, the newest Leprechaun reboot and before that a more serious, um, more kind of almost Lovecraftian kind of movie called The Void. And before that, um, he was part of a filmmaking collective called Astron 6. And I know Astron 6 because um, my buddy Trev here uh, turned me on to them um, around the time the movie Manborg came out. Um, and uh, as, as Trev being the guy that's introduced me to this stuff, um, I'll kind of let him uh, run with this. But yeah, Trev, just tell us what is at, what is or was Astron 6 and kind of, I guess, give us a little history of, of them and their background and the stuff that, that they've, they've done. Yeah, so Astron Six is they're like, they were a Canadian uh, production team. There was five guys, so that was the whole idea. So there was five of them, but together they were Astron Six. It was Adam Brooks, Jeremy Gillespie, Matthew Kennedy, Connor Sweeney, and Stephen Kostansky. Uh, I originally heard about them because uh, I was a huge Trauma fan, and one of their early films, Father's Day, was distributed by Trauma. But I don't know if you even remember this bird. There was like this huge controversy where they had this gi- yeah. gigantic falling out with Troma, and that's like what I was really hearing about. Because yeah, I, what I mean, you don't. We don't have to. I, like, I, I know. I know. I can. I can quickly. Okay. Yeah, this. I was gonna say I don't so, remember what that was, but yeah, I know there's some sour grapes there. Yeah, they did the typical thing where they had a film and they and you know they just, uh, sold it to Troma, I believe, uh, to to be the distributor because it was that you know as we all we all know, I believe most of Troma's releases are just pickups for them that they distribute. Um, but they really wanted to do like a, you know, a special edition with trauma. And that was kind of the deal that they signed and they thought, you know, they were going to get to have a lot of control over what the, the DVD and Blu-ray release still was. 
And apparently they then heard through the grapevine, and it, and it was confirmed, it's not like this was not true, that Lloyd Kaufman was just selling like um, like almost like bootleg, like Father's <laughs> Day DVDs at shows before they had had a chance to really do their final yeah. like authoring of the movie, put their final mix on it and add on all the special features. And so they were pretty upset about that. And it was also like they weren't getting any of the, the, the profits from that. So it's just like... Kaufman thought because he picked up the movie, he could do whatever he wanted with it. They didn't quite agree. So um, they've always had some, I think there's still some like remaining bad blood. Um, But anyways, which is ironic because the other, like one of the first things I found of theirs because of that, I heard about that. Um, So you can't, you can like, if you get father's day on Blu-ray or DVD, you're, you're still buying it through trauma, but also while they were still in trauma's good graces, they did release a, a compilation DVD of all their early short films, which I also have, and I, I've shown Bird some of those. They're great, um, yeah. So, so I heard about that, and that's when I started to get into them. And then at the, around that same time, uh, Manborg came out. And I think Manborg was released by Magnet, I think, maybe. Um, I can't remember exactly. But picked that DVD up. Uh, it was a bird, and I watched that and just instantly fell in love with it. Um, so they were just these five Canadian guys making movies, and all the early stuff kind of had this you know, similar aesthetic to it where they are clearly very influenced by low budget, like eighties genre fare, essentially. Um, they were trying, they're trying to replicate the feeling of those bizarre bottom of the shelf in the video store, horror and sci-fi movies you'd find that weren't from like a big studio. Um, and you'd buy, and like when you watch it, it's someone's already rented that tape 300 times. The transfer looks terrible. They were like trying to like kind of go for that, that kind of aesthetic in in their material. It was a a lot of their early work was all parodies and homages of that kind of eighties, like genre sci-fi horror stuff. Um, but with a definite like sense of humor to it, like always kind of like very campy, um, you know, trauma was the right fit for them, which is why it's too bad that they kind of had that falling out. Cause that same idea of like what Lloyd Kaufman tries to do is not too dissimilar to them. So you're always getting like really fun, practical effects. Uh, you know, they would use green screen stuff, but they also do a lot of like miniatures and puppets and the always really up the gore and just a very, very twisted sense of humor. Father's day, probably the, the best example of that. Uh, Father's day is about a serial killer who goes around and rapes and murders fathers. Uh, and then this guy's <laughs> trying to get revenge for the fact that his father was raped and murdered. And it, and then it turns out there's a whole like demon thing going on in the movie. It's, it's, it's bizarre. Um, they went on to do a movie in 2014 called the editor, which I was uh, kind of like a step up from them in like production quality. And that was them. Uh, doing an homage to Italian giallos of the 60s and 70s and kind of like doing like a pitch perfect like parody of those, like in terms of like the stylistic elements of it. Um, They went on to do like a web series called Divorce Dad, which had a little bit of controversy when one of the episodes was pulled off of YouTube because it made some jokes about uh, (laughs) Al-Qaeda that did not go very well. Uh, And then for whatever, like, unfortunately, it was that kind of thing where they definitely people knew about them. They were they were, uh, you know, definitely had a cult following, but I don't think anything they were doing was making too much money. And a lot of them started like uh, Kostansky in particular, like you said, Bertie worked on The Void and Leprechaun Returns. It was starting to become a case of should they just keep doing Astron 6 stuff or should they all go off and, and do their own things? And I think that's kind of the decision they made, unfortunately. And, and you know, they still they I think they still like working with each other. They still if, you know, if Kostansky makes something, chances are strong. Some of the Astron 6 guys will be in it, as is the case yep. with this. But as a collective, they they're not necessarily together anymore. So they just like this is a real brief run. But uh, I I love all of it. I own all of it, and I will still always be interested in what they all do individually or when they come together. So hopefully that wasn't too boring. But that's that's my no, Astro no, Six that, story. That was a great little breakdown. <laughs> yeah. I want to. Do you remember? Um, 
the Manborg uh, Facebook page. <laughs> the I they, remind me. Like, so, so like we, we <laughs> what was awesome about the Manborg Facebook page is like. It was one of those things where, like, they probably didn't have that many reviews, but their Rotten Tomatoes score was, like, 90% mm-hmm. based on, like, five reviews or something. And so, like, they any time a big blockbuster came out and got, like, a oh, Rotten I score, do, yes. yeah. uh, they they would, like, kind of troll the, the that movie by, uh, like, putting out... Um, a compare like a, a pit for, for example, like man of steel came out and it had like a 58% or something. So the Manborg Facebook page would post like a picture of like their like 90% uh, next to man of steel's like 58% or something. <laughs> and uh, that's how I knew, like not only are these guys just funny and creative, but like they're, they're kind of brilliant. I was like, that is a, that that is so was so funny to me. And that, that's their sense of humor is like right up our alley. Bird, do you remember that one short we watched on the shorts DVD that was like a parody of like the Blind Dead like zombie movies? Yeah, yeah. These like Templar night zombies show up, and they show up to this guy's apartment, and they're just like a nuisance. Like they don't want to murder him, but they just like won't leave. And the whole <laughs> like so like the short takes this weird deviation where suddenly they they become just like annoying roommates. And just like that, that kind of sense of humor. It's just uh, it was. I've, I've always, I've always just got like completely attached to like everything they've done. And uh, one that is relevant to this is BioCop, which is about a cop yes. who basically becomes like the Incredible Melting Man, mm-hmm. but like he's stuck that way, and like, yeah. and so he's just in this constant pain and like existential dread. And the whole thing, <laughs> and and the there's a fake. The the short is a fake trailer. I look it up, people, because it's great. It's awesome, and it's just like it's very much like a, a cop drama where they're like bio cop, you know, we need you to go stop these drug dealers or whatever, and then like he's just like, why am I alive? Someone kill me! <laughs> but then they also have stuff where he's like getting like a medal <laughs> and stuff like that, and bio cop is in this movie. But yeah, like how Trev was saying, it's like our sense of humor, like just listening to how that short started. Because uh, Steve Kostansky is, um, he's hes primarily like a big special effects guy, and he works on stuff mm-hmm. like The Boys, and, you know, he does makeup and creature effects, and he said, like, one day him and, like, some of the other guys were just, like, working on stuff in the workshop, and they were just like, what if there was, like, a cop movie, but the cop is, like, melting? Oh, and it's called Biocop. And then, like, that's just how an idea starts. And, like, if, if anyone... Uh, were to ever hang out with me and Trev and like some of our friends, like we come up with stupid ideas like that all the time, just for no reason. What, like Trev, what, what are some that we've talked about? Um, just like, uh, well, I think our we dream, even, before I, I we started our... recording tonight, we talked about, uh, how the makers of Halloween kills and Halloween ends said at one point they were going to incorporate, the the covid narrative into those movies yeah we yeah and we were joking like what if, what if it the what if he just dies of covid like <laughs> like stuff like that trev, but yeah what's trev what's what's like some of our dream things if we I ever mean, started our, making movies i think our, our magnum opus that we talk about a lot that we still can't i still can't believe it does not exist is shark cop like that's one we've always wanted to do is like wow a shark and i i've like i've already got like scenes from that in my head um <laughs> You know, we've talked about crazy things like I one of the ones I was this is just more like the kind of silliness we would talk about 
is we all remember like the classic RoboCop poster that says like half machine, half man, all cop. And so I've always wanted to do like a poster and then try to figure out maybe even like a fake trailer for a movie called Cop Cop, half cop, half cop, all cop. So yeah, it's just I don't know. We we're just yeah, stupid we're stupid. Like that, yeah. <laughs> oh well, Were- oh uh, werewolf to puss is another one I've been always, yeah. like trying to do. Yeah. Um. I know at one I know one time we talked about a, what if there was a movie called Where Man about a werewolf yes. who turns into a man like so yeah. so like yeah so these guys their ideas come about just the same very mundane and like stupid way mm-hmm. <laughs> that we we would which I think is part of why this uh uh is stuff we enjoy so much speaking of Manborg by the way uh that movie cost a thousand dollars which it looks which it it, don't get me wrong it it very much looks like a movie that costs a thousand dollars but it's a movie that costs a thousand dollars and like is still fun and really creative Mm -hmm. and i say that because lately and you all know this the people listening all know this because we've talked about some of these movies lately there's been like a, a resurgence in these like backyard kaiju movies like you know for example like zilla foot i don't know i don't know that that i'm done i'm out of here i don't i don't know if zilla foot costs more than a thousand dollars but like if anyone like is thinks that we're too hard on movies like that it's like manborg is proof that it can be done that's a great that's a great point like when i got so angry about zilla foot like that's that's dead on why because you look at like what these guys were doing with like their resources and to compare that to something like Zilla foot. Exactly. Like if you care and you put in the work and the effort, you can still make something that, you know, Manborg, I would put up against like a number of like way higher budget sci-fi comedies and say like, there's only a thousand dollars and look much, look how much fun this is, but also look how cool it actually looks like they, they found a way to use the limitations to make it look cool. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, I mean, somewhere out there in the ether and not made yet, I'm sure is a, is the Manborg of kaiju movies. Someone just needs to do it. Um, have we all seen Manborg? I have not. Oof. It's been on my list for a bit. Matt, you said you have? Yeah, it's great. All right. Yeah, no, Man Manborg is great. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, so, so Trev, um, Real quick, aside from Kostansky here, like, uh, have any of the other Astron Six guys really gone on to do uh, as much stuff? I think I think primarily a lot of them are like actors, or um, I mean, the one who actually kind of keeps pop, or I think is like works the most, is Adam Brooks, who plays the dad in the movie we're about to talk about today. Um, I just hold on a sec. I got to look him up because I just saw. He's gonna. He's like in something coming up soon where I was like surprised he was in such a high profile movie. <laughs> he's in like uh, Black Panther two. Uh, hold on a second. You, you guys keep vamping or something. I'll I'll tell you in a second. But he plays Doctor Doom in <laughs> MCU or something. Here we go. I got to his IMDb page. Um, oh, he was in like so. He was in that The Grudge movie from twenty twenty. Which oh, okay. like okay, maybe that's not that big of a deal. But like and he's uncredited. It says, but still, I was like, I was kind of surprised to see he was in that. And then. Oh, this maybe this is what I was thinking of. You know how um, every year I bug all of you guys to read this book called Dark Harvest, which I always say is like the best Halloween book I've ever read. Uh, 
like David Slade just made a movie of that and he's playing the pastor in that movie. So oh, I was like, Oh, that's kind of cool okay. that there's, I mean, I, I think that movie's probably going to suck considering it's been sitting on the shelf for a while, unfortunately, but uh, <laughs> still cool that Adam Brooks is in it. Yeah. Well, David Slade, you know, he, you know, maybe he, he's pulled, pulled through. I, I know. He's I want to believe, but we'll see. Yeah. Anyways. <clears throat> so psycho Gorman, uh, like we, so a lot of, Stuff like Common Rider and Hakider and um, Sentai and The Giver. Imagine all of that put into like basically like a Nickelodeon movie, <laughs> like a Nickelodeon cartoon or, or not cartoon, like a series or something. And that's that's essentially what you get with Psycho Goreman. Um, so. Uh, it's also inspired by an earlier short that Kostansky did um, for the ABCs of Death 2, um, which I wouldn't recommend the movie, but you can look up. Uh, it's a three and a half minute short. Um, it was for the segment W is for Wish, but you can look it up by looking up Champions of Zorb on YouTube, and it's like... Oh these kids playing with um, 1980s like He-Man-esque toys. And then they kind of say, oh, I like I wish I could go visit Zorb or something like that. And then they get sucked into uh, the universe of this Zorb with um, like aliens fighting each other in a fantasy land. And it's it's the, the if you watch that short um, after seeing Psycho Gorman, or even before, I guess, you'll see how it at least like aesthetically inspired a lot of what's happening in Psycho Gorman, and especially like all the flashback sequences and things like that, where he talks about uh, his his home planet and being enslaved and et cetera. There's all this backstory to the character. Um, you can see the, the this the uh, the DNA. The, the the crossbred DNA between those two things. Yeah, and mass the masters of the universe stuff. I I think is another uh, influence that comes across. And yet, but yeah, it's basically putting this stuff in like small town suburbia, like with children. And and oh, and and the name Psycho Goreman comes from like he was thinking about like just what's kind of like a dumb monster name that you can cling to, and he thought of Rawhead Rex. I don't know if anyone's seen Rawhead Rex, based yep. on a Clive Barker story, but the movie is something terrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's bad. Uh, but he he was like, "What's something that sounds kind of stupid that'll stick?" Um, and and so yeah, a lot of that is apparent in Psycho Goreman. Um, and with the Masters of the Universe, the movie also, I think, um, because like he said, like. One thing about those like eighties fantasy movies is like uh, they would always be it would be like Beastmaster or Masters of the Universe, but they could never like have the money to like fulfill the concept, so they'd just shoot it in like some suburban town. And me and Trev, this all the way back to when me and Trev were doing the If It Bleeds podcast, we we made fun of that all the time. Anytime there was a movie where like they take like instead of setting it in the fantasy world, they take the fantasy aspect out and put it in like our boring world. And, and you know, Psycho Goreman, I think 
kind of pokes fun at like how absurd. We just did Masters of the Universe on Fear of the Franchise, so I was able to talk about that that trend again, about like why when I was a kid they did that all the time, and they're still doing that, like Sonic the Hedgehog. Those guys right, right, that. yeah, yeah. But yeah, we yeah, that's one of our favorite things to talk about. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll go ahead and handle the plot synopsis now. Uh, in our last episode, Bird, you kind of raised the idea of like stealing from the idea from the Quentin Tarantino Roger Avery podcast and simply reading the back of the box. I'll go ahead and do that because I think this is a decent plot synopsis, but then I'll just add a, a little bit more on afterwards. Yeah, if anyone listened um, to the episode Trev's talking about, uh, I, I read the back of the box without reading it first and found that the plot synopsis lacked <laughs> what what i what was desired this is, this, this is a good basic one to okay. just summarize the idea of the movie but then we'll talk about like a couple additional plot elements um so for pg psycho gorman siblings mimi or sorry siblings mimi and luke unwittingly resurrect an ancient alien overlord who was entombed on earth millions of years ago after a failed attempt to destroy the universe they nicknamed the evil creature psycho gorman or pg for short and use the magical amulet they discovered to force him to obey their childish whims. It isn't long before PG's reappearance draws the attention of intergalactic friends and foes from across the cosmos, and a rogues gallery of alien combatants converge in small-town suburbia to battle for the fate of the galaxy. I think that's actually a pretty good, like, just general synopsis of what this movie is. And I think the only, if you want to get, like, more specific, just kind of detail that this kid, this um, this creature, Psycho Goreman, we discover was basically a slave of this uh, this group of uh, the planetary alliance and in particular uh these uh these people called uh what is it the templars yeah yeah and then, yeah the templars is kind of like this like religious intergalactic order and they had taken you know different races and species prisoner and made them into slaves working on a chain gang essentially and psycho goreman or he doesn't even have that name then but he kind of finally he found this gem uh, and it was able to free him, and he used it to wage war against the Templars, formed his own little mini army called the Paladins Obsidian, and they waged war. And eventually, you know, after you know eons of this conflict, the Planetary Alliance was able to capture him, separate him from the gem, and entomb him on Earth. And the other thing I would add on to that story's uh, you know, description is just to talk a little bit more about Yimi and Luke. Because I think for what we're going to discuss, it's important to just talk <laughs> about their entire like kind of family vibe, because you know they're very much even themselves a, a parody, I believe, of the kind of kids that are usually in these you know movies like ET, um, these like kids finding like uh, you know Mac and Me, kids finding an alien or kids befriending a monster kind of movies. Luke, I think, is the one the more normal kid, obviously the one who you would expect to see in these movies. But Mimi is a very very interesting character. In that she's just very domineering, very bossy to her brother. Um, like I don't know how we, how would you guys describe Mimi? She's, very, she's very, a sociopath. She's a sociopath. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm she's she's awful. Best. Yeah. She's bull. She's uh, bullies her brother, and she's uh, yeah. She she really is just very is interested in herself. I described. Because uh, I've noticed that, um, like, looking at reviews on Letterboxd, this is a movie that people either think is the funniest, most amazing, and creative thing ever, or they think it's just the worst. And yeah. I think, and I think, uh, in in addition to just you know, it, people just thinking, okay, this is just stupid. I hate it. I think Mimi is part of that. Oh, um, she's she's definitely one of the more divisive factors. If yeah, you and, and, get into this performance and like what this character is, yeah. this movie's going to be grating. So yeah, and and 
what I was, what I, my, my point of view with that is, I don't know, that's kind of the joke of Mimi. Mm -hmm. You know, it would be like watching South Park and just being like, you know, this Cartman character, I just, I hate him. And it's like, well, yeah, that's kind of the joke of Cartman. And, And I think she is very Cartman adjacent. I mean, I don't know where you guys fall. I could see someone watching this and thinking that's like a bad performance from the actress, uh, Nita Josie Hanna. Oh, gosh, uh, I'm here. No. To, I'm here to say I think she's awesome in this. She like, nails I think it. She, yeah, I think she like completely gets what they're going for and is like pitch perfect for what this character should be. Someone, I, I don't remember who, it was. might have just been some random person. Someone on Facebook said they'd love to see a buddy movie of her and the little girl from uh, The Black Phone. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so ultimately like the the thrust of the movie then becomes what happens if a little sociopath uh gets control of like you know a universe conquering murderous alien that's that's the that's the like one sentence synopsis essentially yeah but yeah yeah that mimi i mean that is the joke of mimi and you know some people <laughs> are gonna find it funny or not like i said it's just like it's she's she's if you think Cartman's funny, you, you'd probably think Mimi's funny. But, you know, that, that does seem to be one of the more divisive things. And I don't know. It, I, I, think, I think she's amazing. <laughs> and uh, yeah. the answer to the question of what would a little sociopath do with uh, control of a monster, and a lot of it is... She she's okay with him killing people, but she all she really wants to make him do is like dumb stuff, like uh, you know, uh, dress him up like Alan Grant from Jurassic Park and <laughs> <laughs> like make him play uh, <laughs> crazy ball, crazy yeah. ball, which is like the made up kind of do- version of dodgeball in this movie, and it's like she very much just wants him to like just do stupid kid activities with her Plays but her bands yeah yeah <laughs> playing her band yeah <laughs> which has a great musical number yeah that, that part is awesome um and uh and yeah so that's it like she's a sociopath so she doesn't really care what kind of destruction he causes or that he's gonna enslave everyone you know as long as she can like dress him up in stupid outfits and <laughs> play a crazy ball that's, that's it's surprising. It's it. surprising she's a sociopath, considering she has such an amazing uh, parental figure in her father. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got to talk about the dad. Yes, played by uh, Astron Six's Adam Brooks. He's I I think he's, he's one of my favorite movie yeah. characters of the past. Like, decade. is he the greatest? The greatest uh, movie dad ever. He's yeah. yeah. He's his, just <laughs> his kernels of advice, such as. Uh, go with those strangers into the back of their van because they will show you their humongous collection of baseball cards. <laughs> yeah. And he's just like the laziest, like he's always trying to get out of doing anything. And he's just like this, also like just this sad sack <laughs> who's probably like in, uh, suicidal. I think that's maybe the first like, indication of his character is when like Luke is going to bed and asks him, ask the parents, are monsters real? <laughs> the dad is just like, well, you know, in some ways uh, man is the real monster. So yes, they are real. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
What was it like? He made he made dinner, but what did he did he like just microwave some crap or something? Didn't he? He microwaved like a whole chicken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm laughing just talking about this stuff. Yeah, and and, <laughs> and later like. The wife like yells at him about something, and he's like, "I you, did you not appreciate the home cooked meal I made or something?" <laughs> and uh, that's a great scene. There's another scene where he's in the bathroom, and Psycho Goreman like uh, telepathically like has to send him directions. Um, and like at first, it looks like he's like getting. He thinks he's getting like a message from God or something. Um, yeah, no, the dad the dad is great. There's it, also the really great part where his wife is like, Can you like I don't know she tells him like take out the garbage or mow the lawn or something like that? And he's like, Yeah, I would. I just I can't. I hurt my hand. And like <laughs> he's got his hand all bandaged up, but like he didn't he didn't hurt his hand. He's just like lazy and you know, then she asks him again later to do something and he's like Maybe you didn't hear me, but I hurt my hand. So, no, I'm just not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Mimi, at one point, um, what does she wish for that causes the Luke's friend to turn into a brain? Well, she's oh. basically just because she, wa- she wants Luke's friend to like be like her. I think she's like had a thing for him, right? She like, yeah. wants him to be like a yeah. boyfriend. And I, I don't know exactly what the wish is, but she's just kind of mad that he's, like, not as into her. And she basically wants Psycho Gorman to do something that makes him, like, a little bit... Like, I think of the idea is that she wants him to be um, kind of dependent on her or dependent on them. And so Gorman, like, turns him into, like, a giant brain he, creature. Whatever the wish is, you're... you're this is... I'm, I'm remembering it now. She Whatever the wish is, yeah, she does want him to be, like, more into her or something like that. And he says... Oh, I once, you know, granted this request for the, like, made-up alien words of made-up alien planet. Would you like me to do that? And she's like, yeah. And so, like, he makes him the hottest living brain, basically. (laughs) Yeah, so he just gets turned into a brain with tentacles. And, like... I mean, Mimi doesn't care, and everyone is just... That's, again... His parents the, don't care. Yeah, the, yeah that's <laughs> the joke is like no one care, seems to care. And at one point, I think he says something like, can I... You think I'll ever turn back? And they're just like, no. <laughs> well, that kind of, like, casual, like, not caring... Like, the, you know, you said his parents, like, don't react to him being turned into a giant brain. That's ultimately, like, one of the funniest things about the movie and kind of like, the key to, like, the sense of humor. Because I, I was in this movie from the beginning... But the moment the movie like turns a corner into like, oh, this is like genius is when you get to I don't know if it's like a half an hour in or so. But where the parents find out about Psycho Gorman, like they find out. So you imagine these these two parents, they find out their kids have this like, you know, murderous creature hanging out with them all the time. And you and then you kind of go into this like montage of the the parents just like dealing with it, but then kind of quickly coming to like Psycho Gorman themselves, especially the mom, right? She starts to kind of like become, I don't want to say friends, but so accepting of Psycho Gorman and like the relationship he has with the kids because she sees them playing with him. And that's the, that's the more you like you, if you're either in or out at that point, you're like, Oh, okay. It's that kind of movie. Like the mom is fine with her kids bossing around this like evil alien, as long as they are, it's giving them something to do, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The, the deadpan non-react 
humor mm-hmm. is like the you know when when Psycho Gorman meets uh meets the 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 boy who's I can't remember the kid's name but when he meets the friend for the first time before he turns him into a brain and he's leaving and he goes, well, it was nice to meet you. And he goes, it would be nicer if you were dead. And he just goes, ah, and like, just walks away. Like mm-hmm. he's constantly threatening them. And they just, the, the, the joke is that they never like, they don't react to it. They're never like, Oh, don't kill me. Cause I have this. Like they never taught teent tease him or taunt him with like, Ooh, I have the gem. They just completely, non-react to him being like, I'm going to rip your spines out and feast on your spinal fluid. And they're just like, oh, okay. Yeah, they're never aware of the seeming danger they're in at any moment. Like, that's what's funny. Yeah, it's very much just making all this crazy stuff seem incredibly mundane. And uh, there's some really funny, self-aware moments. Like, uh, so Psycho Gorman... Uh, is essentially like a fugitive on Earth, and um, who I guess in the mythology of the movie, I guess you could say what would be like the good guys, quote unquote. Um, like they send down a bunch of like alien monsters to try and like kill him and get the gem. And uh, <laughs> there's this really, and and these are all tokusatsu monsters. Like you will know why I had to pause the movie in the middle of it and be like, "This is Japanese." <laughs> <laughs> um, and the, there's like this big battle in the woods, and uh, like there's this like epic music playing as he's fighting these other creatures, and then like the music stops and it just cuts to the kids, and they're like. This is so boring. How long is this going to go on for? <laughs> like that's a great joke too in that same uh in that in that same realm and uh like yeah, it, that that is very much the kind of sense of humor that you get people who know me know I'm not easy to please when it comes to like comedy and stuff, but like this is the kind of humor that is just so odd off the wall, niche, weird that like it really just makes me like fall in love with this movie. This dumb, this dumb like monster, I don't know, comedy thing is like legitimately one of my favorite movies of like the last few years. I guess, yeah, the Templars are like the ones trying to get him, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. so, so their leader, uh, like, um, comes to Earth and like possesses. Or no, she doesn't possess the mom. They like recruit. She turns the mom, the mom into yeah. yeah she turns like the mom a into a Templar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, if if anyone listening is a Hakider fan, that that you you'll, yeah yeah. <laughs> I was gonna I was okay. I was gonna ask that because like her design was so specific that I was like she's got to be that's got to be like a nod to something. Like yep, Hakider absolutely. And and Hakider was like. So I guess a little background for you, Trev. Hakider was the villain of an old-school Japanese superhero show called Kikaira. And then in the 90s, uh, they made a movie all about that villain without the hero character, kind of making him like an anti-hero. And um, a lot of this movie takes a lot of like visual stuff from that. And like probably the biggest one is is the mom's... Templar form. Um, And then, of course, like, the solution to everything is, like, a game of crazy ball, which, again, is, like, 
I don't know, taking these monsters and just making them act stupid, <laughs> pretty much. But it, but it's it's the contrast between like the self seriousness of Psycho Goreman, you know, and like <laughs> how much how miserable he is constantly is like the joke of it. And you know, you, you just know like if he wasn't under their control, like he always says, like, if I could, I would, you know, bathe in your blood or something. <laughs> and it's like, he's just constantly like Biocop. He's just constantly miserable and like put in these very mundane and dumb situations. Well, and that's the thing. And I don't, I don't want to oversell this movie, except I do. And I don't want to oversell the genius of the script, except I do, because you could say one line, Oh, it's just a dumb, fun comedy. But th- this movie pulls off a really tricky, like, gimmick and and bouncing act incredibly well and that is that with you kind of start watching this and you think you get the joke right you're like you're like okay he's like this evil um you know world conquering you know despot but she's this like he's gonna become friends with these kids he's gonna like warm up to this family the thing is the movie never really does that like (laughs) he he (laughs) wants to murder them like the entire time and yet you do get to a point at the end where there is like a little bit of like a sweetness between him and the family and you buy it, right? They pull it like the it, the movie earns it, even though he's still like an asshole, and he's still like you know doesn't entirely you know it's not like he he never. I, mean, I guess what I'm trying to say is he never like softens the character. He never has like this heartwarming moment. But you actually by the end accept the kind of relationship he's formed with the family, and I think that's really tough. And I think most people making this movie, the temptation would have been stronger to have the joke be that he just becomes like a better person and he like warms up because of the kids. But because she's a sociopath, it allows you to like bypass Mm -hmm. that, that, that trait or like that kind of cliche and allow it instead to just be like this really complicated relationship between this, this thing that just always wants to murder them, but he just can't. Yeah. I, I don't remember the exact line, but like at the end, he says something like, is this what you call love? And they're like, yeah. And he's like, I will, (laughs) I will use this new power to destroy the galaxy. It's like, (laughs) (laughs) and then, um, yeah, that, that's why that character, he, he never like becomes less miserable. No, he's just, (laughs) he's never having fun. He only wants to destroy things. And that's just, that's just Psycho Goreman, is he just wants to, uh, he wants one thing. And even when you think, like, oh, he's, he's turning a new leaf, he's just finding a way to, like, make it awful <laughs> in some way. Yeah. And he's, he, he's such a sociopath, because she is, and they, they, like, kind of feed into each other that way, that, like, the only reason he does let them live at the end is because he's, you know, he he has a sense of honor of some sort about himself. Right. So he like, you know, they helped him defeat the Templars or, you know, begin his, his, uh, his violent uh, rampage once again. And so he's like, okay, I'll, uh, I'll let you guys live. Yeah, it's not, go, it's not because while I go and kill the rest of the entire planet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which yeah, at the very end he does that by just like he immediately like 
like t- like opens a portal to teleport to like another part of Earth and immediately just starts slaughtering people. And the family's like smiling and waving at him. And then they see him <laughs> on the news and he turns kaiju sized and he's like d- blowing up buildings and stuff. <laughs> and we haven't talked about the uh, planetary alliance, like all the creatures and stuff that are like the the puppets and the stop motion and like the, the Templars sort of rule everything, but then you have this cohort of like aliens that all come together to try to make decisions and all of them are awesome they're yeah. all super unique they look great yeah um yeah there's all kinds of cool aliens and stuff uh yeah like there's a round table of uh like templar people that are like you know they they go back and forth to um to you know think of how to like get the gem and kill psycho Gorman. Uh, my favorite is a guy that uh is like a, a like a brain with a face in a jar <laughs> kind of tube man <laughs> is his name yeah awesome. um there's a guy that is basically like a, a i don't know how to explain it without sounding insane but he's basically like a tub of dismembered body parts <laughs> and he's voiced by Rich Evans from uh, Red Letter Media. Um, Kenneth Walsh, uh, the character actor, um, he was Wyndham Earl on Twin Peaks. He's a narr- narrator. He voiced one of the aliens. Um, yeah, it, the 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 movie's budget um, is six hundred and seventy thousand American dollars, um, and uh, yeah, that that's definitely low. But when you look at the amount of creatures and effects, and like Matt said, um, like when they do, like I guess, like when they explain like the lore or whatever of Psycho Gorman, and they show the home planet, there's there's stop motion stuff in there, and there's uh, all kinds of crazy gore effects and and very little CG stuff. So like. On this budget, it's pretty crazy what's packed into this movie. Yeah, I mean that's what that's what's great about Astron Six in general, and it's like so. Um, and I know this isn't Astron Six, but essentially is right to a certain degree. Um, but it's so indicative of that of like this movie is just like always great to look at, right? Because it's and it's the kind of movie where you watch and you're like, man, I wish I could have worked on this movie. Like how much fun must this have been going to set every day and coming up with these like these alien designs, these costumes, the the gore effects, and it just being all practical. Like, why is it always these like cheap ass movies? You know, no, right. That, like have this like, this <laughs> element to it, and then you know just we watch these like huge big budget movies and they don't look like they'd be fun at all, right? Like the the fun is like working with these limitations, but the fact that what they're able to pull off with that budget and still have it look this incredible. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, and and I mean, there's ingenuity that mm-hmm. I think is what makes it enjoyable. You know, it's and like you said, and the designs, even if they're like kind of cribbing from previous things, like everything looks great. And it's like we haven't even talked about how cool just Psycho Gorman looks as a character. Yeah, he's, he's just a, he's just a great monster design, right? Like he would be awesome as like a real villain in like a in a different kind of movie. But right? He just, yeah, he looks incredible. Yeah, I yeah, even I mean, and I guess. Vecna from Stranger Things is almost like I couldn't stop thinking about Psycho Gorman. He looks a little like him, and he talks a lot like him. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> um. 
yeah, the and and I I think that uh I don't know. It it's one of those things where it's it's got to be different from when, you know, you show up on a Marvel set or whatever and everything's just green and you don't know where anything is really or how it's going to look or how to react to anything. And I I can't imagine that being as enjoyable as being around a movie like this. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of constantly miserable, <laughs> another one of uh, we mentioned Biocop earlier, and yes, but there's Biocops in this, played by the same guy from the short. And um, yeah, Psycho Goreman like turns this cop into the Biocop, and that's another one of my favorite jokes that I don't even think I really picked up until I watched it a second time. Is like when they go to the police station um after that like apparently it's that it was that cop's birthday and like people are slicing into a cake that like has his face on it and <laughs> and stuff like that like so so there's stuff for me that I was able to pick up watching um I was able to pick up better watching it a second time yeah, and that's all the stuff that's, that's, the, the stuff at the police station is just great like those cops are all great yeah Another thing to kind of piggyback off some of the stuff I think all of us have talked about at some point here, just in regards to the humor and its approach to being self-aware, like, it would be very easy to call the movie a parody, and I mean, you can interject a lot of stuff, a parody of tokusatsu shows, a parody of kids' shows, a parody of 80s movies, whatever, but I, I'm I'm hesitant to use that word because I'm 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 probably not going to explain this well, but I'm going to try my best. It, it the movie is silly and it's got a lot of stuff that's homage to other stuff, but it's not like a homage piece. It doesn't call it it doesn't call attention to the things it's referencing the way that a lot of modern movies do. You know, it's not stopping to point out something from something else. It's all just kind of there. And, um, and and I think what I'm trying to get at is it never gets too cutesy with any of it in the way that, like, for example, like, I like the movie Planet Terror, the Robert Rodriguez half of Grindhouse. But, like, it gets really cutesy with how, like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge it is. And this movie never goes into wink, wink, nudge, nudge territory. And and I think that's another thing that felt so refreshing to me because, like, that's so easy to do, and we see it so much now. And, and this movie, it feels very, like, self-contained, and you don't need to, you, you know, you don't need to know any genres or anything to really enjoy it, I don't think. And it doesn't get overly referency either, where, you know... Like there's a moment at the end of the movie where um where PG pulls out a a, a sword made of like is it made of like the, the spine of some other person that he's killed or something like that, whatever. <laughs> but still, this is you know, you're we're working at least somewhat in parody of He Man type of area here. And he doesn't pull out this sword and then like you know, look at the camera and go, I have the power, you know, anything like that, where it would be like, just, 
Oh, I get it. I I get the thing. You know, it never it never gets referency. It never gets, uh, yeah, it never gets winky, nudgy, too cutesy. It just allows itself to exist on its own creativity. Yeah, yeah, and I think what Bird said is really important. Is like all all it requires you to have an awareness of to to mostly work, and even this I think it would probably work to a certain level if you didn't. But as long as you know enough of like the trope of young kids meet some kind of creature, right? Because that's like a, that's a whole subgenre that we know. You know, ET. Um, what are some others? Harry and the Hendersons. We were talking about yeah, before Monster we recording. Squad. Yeah, yeah, like, well, and pretty particular, like when young kids, yeah, like the Frankenstein and that, yeah, exactly. Um, young kids befriend a, like uh, some kind of creature. Like as long as you know that, you you get this movie, which you know puts it on a different level than something like we brought up the editor earlier before we started recording. We were we were talking about how like Tom the yeah. first time he saw the movie wasn't he liked it, but he, Tom, well, I guess Tom, you can speak to this. Like you, yeah, you no, do I, need to know the genre. You need to know Right. The, to right. to yeah. enjoy the editor. Yeah, Tom, you can talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so the, the editor is an Astron 6 movie. I got it for free. I don't even recall how. Um, and it is about a you know, film editor working on a, like a Jallo movie, actually, who then finds himself in the midst of a Jallo murder kind of mystery thing. And it's really extremely well done, but if you don't, if you haven't seen even, at least, I would say like, I don't know, maybe just like three or four of not the best ones, right? Not the ones that like ever, you know, the, the Argentos that ever, then the full cheese that everyone is asked is saying you should watch like, you know, the, three or four of these ones that are like uh, beyond the door, beyond the door three, where like the, the, the train is murdering people. Um, but just these movies where like the, there's, there's dubbing, it's done really bad. The lighting is, is this garish color. Uh, there's, there's a whole bunch of really well-constructed, I, they're not even jokes They're and they're not references either. It's just, it's not like, Oh, this is from that specific movie. It's just, you have to know what they're doing in order to fully appreciate it. The first time I saw it, I was like, Oh, that was a fun bit of schlock and it was fine and enjoyable and whatever. It was okay. But I saw it then just recently I pulled it off of my shelf and, and threw it in and watched it. And, uh, having now seen, I don't know, 15 or 20 of these like Italian horror movies. Finally, now it just rings so much better. You're so much more appreciative of all the little things they did to make it feel authentic. And, if you watch it without knowing those things, it just feels, and I don't want to say just because it's still, this is still kind of a triumph in a way, but it does. It just feels like people being inventive and creative and, uh, smart with a very limited budget instead of feeling purposeful in what they're doing. If you watch psycho Gorman, you don't have to know 
you know, a, you don't have to have been a He-Man fan or uh, uh, what are some of the other ones we've, we've mentioned, Hikider, like Harry the Hendersons you know, or Hakaider. Yeah, yeah, you, don't, you don't need to. You don't have to be a Power anything. Rangers fan to like to get it. And and it doesn't even like I would even go so far as to say being a fan of those things doesn't even necessarily it make matter. it work. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't like make it work any better. It's not like, oh, you don't have to be a fan to get it, but if you are, it'll work better. No, it it'll work just the same. Like it's it's yeah. more keyed into your sense of humor, your sense of willing like willingness to just go along for this insane ride. That's probably one of the highest compliments I can give it, really. Yeah. You don't have to know any other movie to get this. Yeah, I mean, your sense of humor will click with it or not, but you don't need, there's, there's no prerequisite to this. Seems like you get that a lot whenever someone tries something like this, you know. And you I also get it a lot with, like, IP adaptations, you know? Like, I mean, Godzilla fans lost their minds as a whole over King of the Monsters, and that's the one that didn't click with general audiences because people are like, I don't care about, you know, some obscure reference to Rodan because he's at Outpost 56 or whatever. Like, general audiences don't care. <laughs> I was just about to say you'll you'll figure out pretty quickly watching this if your sense of humor clicks with it or not. And that and that is the thing. Like I can't I can't dismiss anybody whose sense of humor wouldn't vibe with this. Like if if in the first like 15 20 minutes you're not enjoying this, you probably might, you, yeah. should get, you should just bail. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but if but if you get some good like, you know, belly laughs in the first few minutes, um then then definitely stick with it cuz you're, you're I just can't imagine like this movie this is this has become one of those like kind of litmus test movies for me where I think you know, I can kind of judge someone's like sense of humor and like how cool I think it might be based on how they reacted to this movie. Yeah, like I said the letterboxd reviews are like one extreme or the other. It's like this is amazing and hilarious and then the other is the other person is like this is the most annoying thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and and like look, I get and the it. The only ones the only ones that'll fall in the middle will be the people who are like this is the most annoying thing I've ever seen, but I at least appreciate that it was like practical. Or, yeah, they, I, they like the yeah. effects or something. Yeah, like the, you're, there's not going to be much wiggle room. And look, if I get it. You know, this stuff is, you know, it's going to per person. But I, for me, it's just one of those things that plays to like so much that I love from monsters to the humor, you know, and the dead, how everything is just presented so deadpan. Like that is the humor that I engage with so much um and uh like i you know if if you think the movie's just annoying you know hey i'll do respect but i can't relate to <laughs> i can't relate to you i guess we should mention that uh this movie is uh streaming exclusively on shutter which is a awesome streaming service and not that much but it does have a blu-ray version as well if you don't have shutter or if you just want extra all the features that are on it which i gotta get that thing me too 
yeah, this definitely seems like the kind of movie where you, you I, I want to hear from Kostansky about like the making of it and then watch the featurettes because I said with this, this kind of approach, this low budget, um, you know, but practical effect spectacular, sometimes watching the making of is almost as much fun as watching the movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this, this movie is, is awesome. Um, are there any stones we are leaving unturned here? I mean, we haven't talked about hunky boys. <laughs> <laughs> I do not enjoy hunky boys, or do I? Kostansky did do a uh, pretty interesting interview with Rumor, Um that he actually goes through some of like the puppets and stuff that he used for this. So like, it's worth watching. I think it's like ten minutes, and it's on YouTube. So definitely okay. check that out. If you I'll have to check that out. Cause... Yeah, I'll uh, yeah, I'll have to. Yeah, we'll check that out and I'll we'll post it on our our page when when we. Yeah, it actually just came out like a month ago. Okay. Oh. All right. Yeah, and and I mean for him, like this was I think he said this was just something that he did to like. He just wanted to make a movie like between seasons of the boys. Because like I said, <clears> he's like one of the primary like makeup guys on there. Well, and like, I, you know, this movie sold to Shudder, as you said, like, I, and I definitely got a lot of attention when it came out. So I, I think you'd have to consider this movie, you know, somewhat of a success. So hopefully he gets to keep doing things like that. Like, hopefully the fact that he is a successful VFX artist on high profile stuff like The Boys allows him to keep doing these like weird deviations and little personal projects. Because yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't necessarily, I don't, I don't need a sequel to Psycho Gorman. In fact, I don't want one. But I would watch like, one. I'd watch it. one, sure, but I think I'd rather like I, I I would like to see him just kind of keep coming up with stuff in this vein, right? Yeah. Kind of, you know, um, find some other resource material to kind of like put his riff on. Yeah, um, yeah. I know there's Psycho Gorman like comics or graphic novels, um, which I would imagine probably get more into. I mean, I don't know much about them, but I I would am- <laughs> assume they probably get more into like the alien planets and stuff that they can't really like. I don't have the money to film. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, hey, if they want to make a sequel about like the giant psycho Gorman rampaging through the town, like I'll sign me up. But yeah, I I would like to just keep seeing him throw out like weird oddball stuff like that. I didn't see his le- his like work for hire one was his Leprechaun movie, which I didn't see. I saw it. I liked it. I okay. it was, that's a it was a fun sequel. Yeah. Um, and, and the void, like I, I, you know, I, I can respect what that movie was doing, but it, that is one where it, first of all, it's, it's him trying his hand at like a more serious thing. And I, you know, the horror part of it was handled well, but that's one where I walked away thinking like, this is just a movie that's kind of a mashup of a lot of movies I already like more. And, you know, it's like, yeah, I don't care. Yeah, the void is um, it's like Hellraiser, the Beyond, and the Thing all kind of like I, had a baby. I liked it. It wasn't Yeah, I, it it's not great, that I, but I had kind of pretty fun. Yeah, it's not that I disliked it, but it is one of those things where it's like, yeah, like I I see what all the stuff you're pulling together and you're just kind of borrowing was, stuff and throwing it together. Yeah. And, that was my takeaway when I walked away from it is I was like I was just like I would just rather watch Hellraiser. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, know, I can, like... yeah, I can pop in the Beyond at home whenever I want. You know, it, yeah, it's one of those things. But, um, but yeah, I, I'd like to see him keep doing that stuff. And um, yeah, I don't know. I God, I, I, I guess I should watch his Leprechaun movie. And I've, I've, 
I've seen every Leprechaun... Well, I guess why not? I've seen every Leprechaun movie except that one and the Hornswoggle one that they did before that, so... But see, then if I watch that, I'll feel like I need to watch the Hornswoggle one. No, I don't. Oh, God. (laughs) Good luck. That's that's like a a different Leprechaun, even, isn't it? It's called Leprechaun Origins, though. Is it it his origin? No, no, no. Why is it called that? I don't know. It's insane that it's like thought of too as like the Hornswoggle one, because even though he is apparently in the suit, he has zero lines. They don't let him do a performance. It might as well just be a puppet. Uh, Like it's it's completely differently designed. It looks like a like a like a gremlin type of thing. It like skitters around. It's not the leprechaun as you know it at all like he's not cracking one-liners he doesn't say he doesn't say anything he has <laughs> all right, all right look 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 having i i i'm i i've seen six of the eight leprechaun movies i don't particularly like any of them <laughs> <laughs> but i'll say why even bother if you're not gonna let him do anything yeah <laughs> yes I don't get it. Um, but I don't. Maybe I'll. I'll I, maybe I'll check out uh, uh, this guy's uh, Leprechaun movie. Um, There's Leprechaun in space, right? Like I'm not imagining that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I've yep. seen that. And Leprechaun in the hood. And, and Leprechaun. leprechaun back to the hood. Yeah, back. To, he goes back to the hood. Also. I yeah. I don't. I've seen Leprechaun four in space at least three times. I don't know why. I don't like that movie either. <laughs> really. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so stupid. Um, um, you don't that's one of those think... franchises that has continuity sort of in name only. Like, each one has a weird, like, different plot. It's not the same. There's different ways to kill the leprechaun in each one of them. Like, Well, and that's the thing about the Kostansky one is that it actually is a direct sequel to the first one. And, and like, so if you don't like any of the other sequels, you can, it is that thing again where you can just completely ignore them because they, it's like, uh, directly picks up from where the first one leaves off for the same, that same house, that same well, everything. Too bad this didn't come before that. Maybe if he sent Jennifer Aniston a copy of Psycho Goreman, she would have come back for that. <laughs> they, 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 uh, you hear her in the second one, and whoever they got, it's like a Jennifer Aniston impersonator, and it's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty dead on. <laughs> um, uh, you, you know what movie I think would make a great double feature with Psycho Gorman because it's got a, it's got the same kind of sense of humor, it's got the same kind of like low budget but still impressive practical effects vibe. Um, is Turbo Kid? Oh yeah, it would. Oh, I love Turbo Kid. Turbo yeah, Kid's no. a good time. Turbo Kid is a good time. Um, anyway, um, yeah, this is a really cool movie and, um, I just talking about it makes me just want to watch it again, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) even though I just rewatched it for this not that long ago. Um, uh, are we ready for ratings? Yeah. Yep. Um, how many hunky boys do you give Psycho Goreman out of five? I love Psycho Gorman. I uh, was in love with it the minute I started watching it. I only grow to like it more the more I learn about 
and see previous Astron 6 movies and shorts and things. And the more I learn about the creators and Steve Kostansky and uh, I, my enjoyment of it only deepens. Um, are there's, there's maybe a couple of little quirks and flaws and I will, I will say what probably the only thing that holds me back from giving it a five out of five is that you do kind of have to be in the right mood. Cause if you're not in, in, in the right mood, I feel like maybe it could strike you as a little bit irritating, but, um, <laughs> No, I'm at a four and a half out of five. I adore this movie. I loved it. Um, I've watched it a couple times. I'm at a, a four out of five, and I think over time I'll probably rate it a little bit higher just because I think my enjoyment of it um, has grown every time I watch it. So, Yeah, I'm right there with Tom. I'm at a four and a half. I, I love this movie too. And yeah, there's a, just, a, I think for me, there's just like a couple comedic beats that fall a little flat or like are edited wrong for me. So they don't quite hit as much as I wish they did. So that's like, there's just a few moments like that that keep it from being perfect, but it's, it's pretty damn close to perfect. I mean, this, this is something I, I will revisit a lot now because uh, just revisiting it for this reminded me of how much I, I loved it. And you're know, like, it's it's a it's a good pick me up when you're getting sick of how monotonous a lot of the, the mainstream stuff we're getting today is to just be reminded of like the kind of unbridled creativity you can get from guys like this yeah. uh, on a lower budget. Oh, another one of my favorite jokes before I get my rating, just because we forgot to talk about it, is like there's a part towards the climax when we're like in the central conflict of the movie. You see Mimi like praying in front of a, a thing of Jesus and she says she's like interrupts herself and she's like wait a minute why am i talking to you there's a new god in town psycho <laughs> Goreman. and um <laughs> and again that's just the humor that hits with me um i love this movie um i've i've loved learning about it after i first saw it more like learning more about it um and if if this kind of oddball uh kind of kind of very specific sense of humor sounds like something you're into. I think you'll like it. Um, and I mean, if you are someone that's a fan of He-Man or Kamen Rider or Super Sentai or Hakider, or if you're one of the three Rawhead Rex fans out there, <laughs> you know, you it, it is fun to be able to recognize that, but you don't need it to enjoy this movie. And the movie doesn't stop to point out any of that stuff. It It is... Very easy to just enjoy as its own thing, and um, uh, and I just it it sound it might sound crazy that we're all giving such a like silly movie such high ratings, but I gotta say like I just adore it and so much. I love Psycho Gorman. I love the these in, insane characters. I and just the just how the joke is just how mundane the movie plays everything. Just hits so well with me. So I'm going to join right in uh, the 4.5 club. Um, I mean, it, this movie is just great. And I like I, I want to watch it again just by talking about it. That's how much mm -hmm. I like it. So um, uh, and yeah, even even if you give it a chance and think the humor isn't working for you, there's a, at least some awesome aesthetic special effects and creatures and all kinds of stuff in there to enjoy still. So, um, check it out. It's awesome. It's the heckin' best. 
It is second best. <laughs> um, so that's Psycho Gorman, people. Um, uh, everyone good here? Yeah, I'm good. All right. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. See you. Thank you for listening to the Kaiju Transmissions podcast. Please take a moment to rate and review us on iTunes, Podbean, and Stitcher. Make sure to subscribe for all the latest episodes. You can also check us out on Twitter at KT underscore podcast. You can check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Kaiju Transmissions. And you can email us at kaijutransmissions at gmail.com if you have any questions or comments. And we will see you next time.